Our reading tonight is taken from Luke chapter 18, verses 9 to 14, and it can be found on page 1052 of your Bibles, or it'll be up on the screen also. To some who were confident of their own righteousness and looked down on everyone else, Jesus told this parable. Two men went up to the temple to pray. One was a Pharisee and the other a tax collector. The Pharisee stood up and prayed about himself. God, I thank you that I am not like other men, robbers, evildoers, adulterers, or even like this tax collector. I fast twice a week and give a tenth of all I get. But the tax collector stood at a distance. He would not even look up to heaven, but beat his breast and said, God, have mercy on me, a sinner. I tell you that this man, rather than the other, went home justified before God. For everyone who exalts himself will be humbled, and he who humbles himself will be exalted. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks, Owen. Yes, so as Stuart said before, I'm Jethro and I'm one of the ministry apprentices here at Uni Church. Um, I think of myself as the second choice Australian staff member that we have here. <laughs> Unfortunately, Dave was unavailable to preach tonight, so he stuck with me. And I'm not sure if you've seen it, but back at home in Australia, we have this reality TV show. Uh, it's called Bondi Rescue. <laughs> if only Theology Island was like that. <laughs> Now, this show's based around Australia's most iconic beach. And basically, uh, these lifeguards, they just sort of patrol the beach looking for somebody who's swimming and they've got into trouble so that they can rescue them. And what I've noticed from watching this show is that the person that needs to be rescued always comes from two different demographics. It's either Asians or drunk English or Irishmen. Those, <laughs> those are the only two kinds of people that are ever needed to be rescued on this show. And in each episode, uh, when one of these people is being rescued, there's a moment. There's a moment when the audience are all holding their breath and saying, will they survive? Will they be rescued? Will they be saved? The situation looks hopeless, and the audience are all thinking, how will they be saved? So what about you? Will you be saved? Well, the Bible tells us that left on our own, we're all sinners. We naturally rebel against God and we reject his will for our lives. And the punishment for that sin, that rebellion, is actually death. So we need to be saved from that punishment. We need to be saved from our sin. Well, in our passage today, Jesus actually speaks to this very point. Jesus tells us how we can be saved and who will be saved. So our passage today is in Luke chapter 18, and at this point we're in the middle of Jesus' ministry. Jesus is walking around the country of Israel. He's teaching people, and recently he's been talking about God's kingdom, about what it's like. And Jesus has been teaching the people through parables, like the parable that we see in our passage today. And when I say parable, what that word means is just parallel. Basically, a parable is a parallel of something which is true in reality. 
So you can just think of it as a story which has a moral meaning. It would be great if you could keep your Bible open to that passage, Luke 18, 9-14. So first in the passage, let's see who Jesus is speaking to when he tells this parable. Let's look at verse 9. It says, To some who were confident of their own righteousness and looked down on everybody else, Jesus told this parable. Wow, Luke doesn't pull any punches, does he? Confident of their own righteousness and look down on everyone. Luke makes it very clear what these people are like. Arrogant, narcissistic, self-absorbed. Have you ever met anybody like that? Maybe you haven't. Well, for me, certainly in my worst moments, that's what I'm like. So what does Jesus say to these people who look down on everyone else? Well, he tells them a story. He tells them a story about two men who go to the temple to pray, a Pharisee and a tax collector. So first, let's look at the Pharisee. Let's see when he goes to the temple, how he prays to God. In verse 11, it says, The Pharisee stood up and prayed about himself. God, I thank you that I am not like other men, robbers, evildoers, adulterers, or even like this tax collector. I fast twice a week and give a tenth of all I get. Now the Pharisees, they were the Jewish religious leaders of the day. So this Pharisee, he was an important guy in the temple. It says he stood up and he prayed about himself. This important man in the temple, this religious leader, he gets up and he doesn't pray about God, he prays about himself. And I think that's a fair summary of his prayer, isn't it? Let me put it this way. God, I thank you that I am not like other men. I fast twice a week and give a tenth of all I get. This prayer is all about I. It's all about him. He prays two sentences and he says I four times. He doesn't ask God for anything. The only thing he thanks God for is that he isn't like other people. What he's basically saying is, God, Thanks that I'm better than everyone else. So what is it that makes him think he's so good, that makes him think he's righteous? It says, I fast twice a week and give a tenth of all I get there in verse 12. He thinks he's a righteous man because of the things that he does. He thinks that starving himself twice a week makes him righteous, that he's not like other men, that he isn't a sinner like this tax collector. Make no mistake, this Pharisee is on very dangerous ground here. There's nothing more dangerous than not realising that you're a sinner. Because not only is this guy arrogant and conceited, he's also a liar. He says he's not like these other people, robbers, evildoers, or like this tax collector. But that's not really true, is it? Really, he is a sinner. He's someone who's rejected God as well. In Romans 3, it says that all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. All have sinned, the Pharisee and the tax collector, and you and me as well, all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. There's nothing more dangerous than not realising that you're a sinner, that you've rejected God and rebelled against him. So I wonder, do you realise that you're a sinner. 
So we've seen what the Pharisee prays. We've seen how he trusts in himself and his own righteousness, how he doesn't recognize that he sins. But what about the tax collector? How does he pray? Well, he prays very differently to the Pharisee. He prays humbly to God. Look at verse 13. But the tax collector stood at a distance. He would not even look up to heaven, but beat his breast and said, God, have mercy on me, a sinner. Now, you should know that at the time, the tax collectors were the lowest of the low. They were really the worst of the worst in Jewish society. Because even you and me, we don't like to pay tax, do we? I remember when I got my first payslip, I really hated seeing it go out. It's like, all that money to the government. But more than this, these tax collectors, they gathered money for the Romans. So the Jewish people thought that they were traitors to their own people, traitors to their own country. And to cap it all off, they also had a reputation for skimming a bit off the top for themselves, so taking even more than they were supposed to. So the tax collectors were really the lowest of the low. And this man, this tax collector, he knows that he's not a righteous man, doesn't he? That's why he prays, God, have mercy on me, a sinner. He comes humbly before God. He realizes he's a sinner and he asks God for mercy. Where the Pharisee's prayer was all about I, I thank you that I'm not like other people. The tax collector's prayer is a humble request for mercy from God. The Pharisee thinks much of himself. The tax collector knows that he's little before God. The Pharisee thinks God's impressed by the things that he does. The tax collector, he knows God isn't impressed by him. He knows his only hope is to throw himself on God's mercy. The contrast between these two men is so stark, isn't it? The tax collector fully understands he isn't good enough for God, that he's a sinner. And the Pharisee, in his arrogance, in his entitlement, is convinced that he is good enough, that God must be impressed by him. You know, when I was in high school, I had a physics test. And this physics test was really, really hard. I remember getting the paper and I opened it up and I just thought, I can't answer any of these questions. All of these questions are so hard. It's completely different to what I studied. I'm going to fail this test. And then after I'd finished the test, I got out in the corridor and you chat to your friends like you do. And I said, I couldn't answer any of these questions. I just wrote down something. Hopefully I get some marks, but I'm pretty sure I failed this test, guys. I remember the day we got the test back, the teacher was walking around through the aisles and she'd put the test down on your desk and you'd have a big red pen in the top corner what percentage you got and you needed 50% to pass this test. And I remember she put it on my desk and it said 44%. So I'd failed this test. And you know, everybody when the tests come around, you sort of keep your eyes up and look around to see what your friends got. Well, as soon as that test was on my desk, I quickly hid the mark. I didn't want anybody to see. I was ashamed. I was ashamed because I'd failed this test. But as I looked around, it seemed like everybody didn't want anyone to see what they got. And it eventually came out that every student had failed this test. Every student had failed. And it also came out that my 44% was actually the highest mark in the class. <laughs> and so once I realised that, 
you know, I wasn't ashamed of my 44% anymore. I wasn't hiding it, I was holding it up to get a better look. <laughs> it's ridiculous, isn't it? I'd failed this test, yet I was proud of what I'd got. I had nothing to be proud of. I was a failure. This is a bit like the Pharisee in our story today. He thought because of some superficial, external things that he was better than other people. But really, he's a failure just as much as the tax collector. He doesn't live up to God's standard. Nobody lives up to that standard, just like nobody passed that test. So we've heard about how the Pharisee prays, and we've heard about how the tax collector prays, but what's Jesus actually trying to teach people here? Why is he telling this story? Well, let's look what he says in verse 14. It says, I tell you that this man, rather than the other, went home justified before God. For all those who exalt themselves will be humbled, and those who humble themselves will be exalted. Jesus says that the tax collector goes home justified, and the Pharisee isn't justified. What a profound thing for Jesus to say. This man is justified. And what does Jesus mean when he says justified? Well, that's a legal term, isn't it? Being justified is being declared just or declared right. Even though you've done something wrong and you deserve punishment, being justified is being declared just. So you don't have to face the punishment for what you've done. So Jesus is saying this tax collector doesn't have to face the punishment for his sin. He's saved from that punishment. And the Pharisee, well, he's not saved. So Jesus is teaching these self-righteous, arrogant people that he was talking to. Remember what it says in verse 9. These self-righteous, arrogant people who look down on everyone else. That if you trust in your own righteousness... If you think that you're good because of the things that you do, then you won't be saved. It says, for everyone who exalts himself will be humbled. That's what the Pharisee is doing. He's bigging himself up, exalting himself, saying, how great am I? Well, he's going to be humbled. But if you recognize your sin and you come to God humbly, repentant, asking for his mercy, you'll be saved. Those who humble themselves will be exalted. Now from this story, you might get the idea that the tax collectors are really the worst of the worst. They're sort of down here. They're really low. And the Pharisee, well, he's pretty good, so he's sort of in the middle because he does give money to the, to the temple and you know he doesn't steal or cheat, so he's reasonably good. But in reality, everybody's down here. Everybody sins. Nobody can meet God's standard. And it's not just these two guys in this story either. It's you and me as well. None of us, by the things that we do, could save ourselves. We've all sinned and fallen short of God's standard of perfection. And no human can meet that standard. No human except Jesus. As we see later on in this book, the Gospel of Luke, 
There was only one thing that was ever enough to save people. And that one thing was Jesus, Jesus' death. Jesus lived a perfect life. He lived up to God's standard. And he died to take the punishment that we deserved so that we could be justified, so that we could be saved. At the cross, Jesus justified those who humble themselves before God. That verse from Romans that we were looking at before, for all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. Well, the very next verse, verse 24, says, All are justified freely by his grace through the redemption that came by Christ Jesus. It's like if a father gave a son a motorbike, and the father spent a lot of money on this motorbike. It was an expensive gift, but he gave it to his son. And his son, he really loved this bike. He, you know, he drove it all around, showed all his friends. Uh, he took it everywhere he went. But after a while, the son started to take the bike for granted. He started to believe that he deserved that motorbike, that he was entitled to it, that he'd earned it. But really, all the son ever did to get that motorbike was accept it from his dad. He did nothing to earn it. He did nothing to deserve it. Well, we receive a gift from our Heavenly Father as well, the gift of salvation, the gift of justification. And all there is for us to do is humbly accept it. Don't be like this Pharisee thinking that you can earn your salvation. Our salvation is freely given. It's a free gift from God. So we've seen how these two men pray and what Jesus is teaching people, but what does this mean for us today? Firstly, have you humbled yourself before God? Do you understand that you can't rely on your own strength to be saved? You know, only one of these two men is saved. You need to humbly approach God and repent of your sin against him. And if you're sitting here and you haven't done that yet, let me say, whatever you've done, whatever there is in your past, God's arms are wide open to you. Jesus died for your sins. Don't let another day go by without repenting and believing in Jesus. Don't let another day go by without being saved by him. Maybe you haven't ever prayed to God before. Well, why don't you pray to him tonight? Why don't you pray the same words that the tax collector prays here? God, have mercy on me, a sinner. Secondly, this passage is a warning to Christian people who think that they're better than others. So are you confident of your own self-righteousness? God, I thank you that I'm not like other people. I don't watch pornography. I don't gossip about other people. I get up every morning and I read my Bible. I give money to the church. God, thank you that I'm better than other people. Is that you? Do you think that you're better than other people? This is what Jesus is warning us against here. And I really struggle with this. 
Sometimes I feel like if I'm not doing a particular sin that I'm killing it somehow. That I'm better than other people who struggle with different things. Well, let this be a warning to you about how dangerous this thinking is. We all need to be like this tax collector. We're all sinners. We all need to say, God, have mercy on me, a sinner. That needs to be our attitude. So how do you approach God? Do you approach him with arrogance, pride about how great you are? Or do you approach him with humility, recognizing your sin and your desperate need for God's mercy? My third application point is that we need to respond to what Jesus has done for us with thankfulness. If you're anything like me, it's all too easy to fall into an attitude of feeling entitled or deserving of being saved. But we need to be eternally thankful to Jesus for saving us. I learned something from my grandmother in Australia recently. See, my grandmother, she's very old now, and uh, over the last four or five years, she's had dementia. And so at the start, uh, she would struggle to remember people's names and details and places, and she'd often call the grandchildren the other one, although probably every grandmother does that anyway. Um, but sort of the last year or two, she's really struggled to remember much of anything. You know, she doesn't know who anybody is when they come uh, to speak to her. And um, when I or my mum usually read the Bible with her, she's forgotten pretty much everything that's in there. She's a very godly Christian lady who's been faithful to God for many decades now, but she's forgotten pretty much everything that's in the Bible. And uh, it just really strikes me that when we read the Bible with her and when she sees what Jesus has done for her and when she reads the Bible, she's so surprised and so delighted. Um, I remember as Alice and I were getting ready to come here, uh, we were, we're coming here for two years, so uh, we're pretty certain that uh, she's not going to still be alive when we go back. I remember saying goodbye to her. My mum encouraged me that this would be the last time I would see her. Uh, and so I said to her, Granny, it's going to be a long time until I see you again. I'm not going to see you again until uh, both of us are worshipping Jesus together in heaven. And I remember when I said that, her eyes just lit up. She was so surprised and she said, Wow, isn't that wonderful? <laughs> Even when we weren't good enough and we didn't deserve it, Jesus died for us so that we could be saved and have eternal life through Jesus. I think our reaction to this great truth should be like my granny's. Wow, isn't that wonderful? Thank you, Jesus. I'm going to pray as we finish, so please bow your head with me. Dear God, thank you for what you've done for us in Jesus. Thank you that we can be saved if we humble ourselves before you. Father, please help us to always approach you humbly, that we would understand that in our sin, our only hope was your son, Jesus. I pray that you'd help us to live a life of thankfulness to this great truth now. In Jesus' name, amen.